Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Well, good evening. We've talked about a lot of things uh, recently. We've talked about why we should prepare. We've talked about bug out bags and get home bags. We've talked about surviving no electricity, OPSEC, gray man, situational awareness, no cost prepping activities. We've talked a lot about ham radio. We've talked about prepping for hurricanes, floods, tornadoes, first aid kits, even civil unrest and riots. Maybe the year 2020 has convinced you that you need to be prepared or better prepared. Maybe you are new to all of this, and it might seem a little overwhelming at first. So we'd like to talk about just getting back to the basics. What you're going to need in order to survive two days, two weeks, two months, possibly even two decades, or however long you feel you need to be prepared for. The whole point is just get started. We see a lot of people after 2020 that have decided that they needed to do something, and some are quite overwhelmed. In the beginning, we said that we weren't going to tell you that you had to have this to be a prepper, but we've got three things that we believe every prepper must have and even should be in every home, whether you're a prepper or not. Chris, what are those? The first and most important one is probably the NOAA weather radio. When we say NOAA, we mean N. O-A-A, weather radio, the type of radio that can give you uh, storm warnings and you can program it to give you warnings from certain areas and vicinities in and around your area. Something else that's important would be a smoke detector. And I would say that a lot of times the smoke detector and a carbon monoxide feature often are found on the same item. And we uh, learned from our friend Tim the other night when we were talking with him as our guest that uh, you need to have a multiple amount of smoke detectors and they need to be in every hallway, in every bedroom, anywhere near a kitchen or anywhere where there may be a, an ignition of fire. We'll have that interview coming up on a episode very, very soon. But one of the things that I was quite surprised by is that he and his wife are building a new house right now. And he said there are eight smoke detectors in that house, Mm, one outside every bedroom. And he he goes through exactly where they're located, and he advocates as we do. And the code requires now, if you're building a new construct, is that you have them on every level of the house. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, The other item would be a fire extinguisher and maybe a series of fire extinguishers. If you have a multi-level home or a large home, or you just feel like it would be of, of more benefit to have a fire extinguisher in other places rather than just the kitchen. Obviously, we think of the stove and the ovens as being the most likely place where a fire might start. Right, and he's talking about putting the fire extinguisher not right in the kitchen because a fire could cut you off from the fire extinguisher. So he's talking right. about having them more or less on both sides. I think he said they positioned one near their exit door. Mm-hmm. So they know that that doorway, it might be clearer to reach and that they've actually have it hanging on the wall right. where it's easy to reach. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going back to the basics. And by back to the basics, we're going to talk about water storage and food storage. 
sometimes the subject of water gets neglected, even in a lot of prepper forums. The subject seems to turn to food and clothing and very little mention of water, but where would we be without water? We've got to have water to drink. We have to have water to cook with. We have to have water for hygiene. We have to have enough to be able to sustain ourselves and care for those for whom we're responsible. Then water is even more important than food. You use it up faster than you think. You do. And in a greater and, volume than you You know, think. you can go about three days without water and three weeks without food. So that tells you right there that it's even more critical than food. Now, a lot of prepping, a lot of preparedness sites, including the FEMA sites, the Red Cross, they talk about having a gallon per day. And that really is for drinking and cooking and leaves none for hygiene. What we found is it's more practical to plan on 1.5 gallons per day. And that's a minimum. And you can make your adjustments depending on what your family's needs are. You know, there are some of our listeners that have a couple of parents and maybe eight kids in the house, some of whom are infants, or we have caregivers that are taking care of elderly parents, and their need for water may be greater than the average person. You're going to have to determine for yourself what your water needs need to be, build it up over time. You don't have to rush out right now and go buy 2,000 gallons worth of water. No, And, and we're going to talk about storing some of that water, but one thing you really don't want to do is to use old milk jugs. They're hard to wash out. That leaves the possibility of bacteria growing in there. They're also thin plastic, and it will deteriorate over time. And as that plastic breaks down, it'll begin to leak. And wherever you have your water storage, you'll have water running. You need to be looking for the water type storage that is made specifically for that purpose. And yeah, water for, is stored in for the longer term. Now there's different jugs. We've bought some in the two point five gallon stackable containers. Yeah, it's kinda of like a rectangle and has a little right. spigot at the bottom. And <laughs> those will store easily under a bed, in the back of the closets, anywhere you've got a little bit of space, you can store one or two of those and then you'll have that water when you need it. Now, one thing you do want to do when you're storing your water is keep it in a somewhat temperature-controlled area. By that, I mean you don't want it getting extremely hot or extremely cold. If your water freezes, it expands, and that can rupture the container that it's in. And the same thing can happen if it gets too hot, it can expand. Exactly. So don't consider like an attic or a garage to be the ideal storage. You really want to try to keep your water storage. Or especially an outbuilding. Right. Kind of keep it in the dwelling of where you live and what's comfortable for you. It doesn't have to stay a constant temperature. No, it does, but but it it just keep it from the extreme is what we're saying. Right. Now, you can buy some five-gallon water, the blue water containers. Those are great. They're heavy, Uh, so be careful carrying them. They're sturdy, thick, thick plastic. But you can also buy some 55-gallon water barrels. Yes, these are for your much more long-term storage for real extreme emergency situations where you may have the only access to water you have may be that large term. And and for an extended period of time. 
Exactly. Although, you know, for one person at a gallon and a half per day. Be no, about you, a month. You know. Well, that'd be 30, that'd be 45 gallons. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't be talking about 35 days for one person, one person out of a 55-gallon drum. So a good way to store it is to buy those 55-gallon drums and then I would put those up on wood, or if you can buy wood now, or on blocks, something to keep it from touching the concrete. Now, these are often stored in a garage, a basement, something like that. Again, you don't want it freezing, and you don't want it getting extremely hot. But you can put a couple of two-by-fours under there and make a little platform for this thing. You don't have to build anything fancy. Just keep it from touching the ground. Right, and remember that since you cannot easily move something of a 55-gallon water barrel, that's between 440 and 500 pounds, so it's not something you can easily move. So you're going to need to have on hand a hand water pump or a transfer pump in order to move some of that water out into smaller containers where it's more manageable. We've got one out in the garage, the little transfer pump, and it's for liquid I originally bought it for gasoline, but it's not been used for gasoline. So if we had to transfer water with it, we could. We could pump that water out into one-gallon or five-gallon containers or those two-and-a-half-gallon containers and refill them, and those would be so much easier to carry. But you can also get some of these with a spigot on the bottom, or I've seen where some folks have added those. I don't particularly like the spigot on the bottom. Murphy's Law lives in that. If something can go wrong, it will. At some point, I'm going to hit that spigot. I'm going to hit it with a set of hand trucks. I'm going to do something that's going to cause that to start leaking. And then I've got a problem. Or I'm just going to flat break it off and put 55 gallons of water right out on the floor. You just don't want that to happen. The whole point of this is you need to store water and store more than you think you will need. You've also got to remember if you have pets, uh, house pets or animals that you're caring for, they're going to need water too. So you have to prep for your animals. They can't prep for themselves. So you've got to consider you have dogs or cats or birds. Some people have primates, reptiles, uh, ferrets, those types of animals. You're going to need water stored for them as well. We have added a way for our listeners who would like to support the podcast to do so. We love our coffee. So you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash practicalprep and buy us a cup of coffee. That's buymeacoffee.com slash practicalprep. Let's talk about food for a few minutes. Yes, of course, rule number one on prepping food is you're going to want to store the food that your family actually enjoys and will eat. It is completely useless and a waste of money to store a lot of foods and food items that you think are prepper-worthy but that you don't eat on a regular basis now. Exactly. That makes no sense. Well, one reason is we're going to be rotating that food in and out. Exactly. It's sort of like your own personal grocery store. Right. We're just your own store. We're buying ahead. Mm-hmm. Now, the best thing, if you're starting out prepping, best thing you can probably do is just start with the canned goods from the grocery store. Sure. Every time you go to the grocery store, if it's a small trip or a big trip, just add a can or two extra of vegetables or fruits or maybe an extra bag of dry beans or rice. 
some sort of non-perishable item that you can put aside. And then on every trip, if you'll pick up another can or two or a bag or two or something that may be on sale in a case lot, and these are foods that you will eat and do buy regularly anyway, then you're going to find that in a year's time, you've actually got quite a bit of food storage. And it didn't cost a lot at the time because you did it gradually. Exactly. And then add some canned meats to that. Add some peanut butter. Add some pasta and some sauce. Don't forget things also like shortening and oil and those types of things. Although be careful because oil can go rancid sooner. You may have to replace it more often. But do consider that spices and seasonings and those types of things are also very important to store and to prep with. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned a minute ago, we need to have some type of system for adding to our preps. Now, our particular system, and we put this in our book, Practical Prepping for Everyday People, is to add two items of food every time we go to the grocery store. Doesn't matter if we're going for a small order or a large order. We put in two cans, usually, of prepper food. And I know Chris will come in a lot of times, and we'll bring the groceries in, and we'll start unpacking that. And I'll say, what's your two prepper items here? And sometimes she'll say, it's those two right there. Sometimes she'll say, well, I got a really good deal, and I got six this time. So we've added it by six but you want to be adding on a regular basis, and you want to have a rotation system, first in, first out. And so what she does here, we have our kitchen pantry, and then we have our prepper foods in what we call it the prepper room. It's a, it's a large closet, has cabinets in it, and we have food stored in there. And so she uses out of the kitchen she shops out of the prepper room, and then she replaces what she took out of the prepper room. And she uses what's the oldest first. So first in, first out. FIFO, first in, first out. When you're building your food storage over a, a month or two or three, an average prepper may have two months or maybe possibly three months of food stored per person in their household. But 45% of the population here in America have less than three days of food. In speaking with a lot of younger people today, I've noticed a lot of their habit is, I just go to the market every day. Uh, you know, I just buy what I'm going to have that day. And they may not have anything put back or stored. Their, their refrigerator really does sit empty a lot of times. And so they may have to change their mindset on having some things put aside because you never can tell. Sometimes the grocery store's doors may be locked. We just can't tell anymore. The emergency preparedness officials in America used to tell American citizens that about three days worth seemed to be the normal course, but they have since changed that. That's changing. And that seems to be going toward more of a 14-day, and I still think that's a bare minimum, the lowest possible number of days that they think all households should have prepped food. Minimum 14 days worth of food would have gotten most folks through Texas situation this mm -hmm. year with the snow. 14 days would get most folks through a hurricane or tornado situation. Not that everything's back restored after 14 days, but there's usually food available. 
after that period of time. And what happens too sometimes in a an emergency situation, you'll find that there may be several families that are prepared and have food and water, but they may feel that uh, neighbors down the road are not prepared. And so it could be that in the sharing of prep foods, preps don't last as long because we want to be humanitarian and compassionate. Exactly. But this is a call to action. Don't be the person that thinks that someone else is responsible to take care of you or that they owe taking care of you because you should prep for yourself and your own family. Right, and 14 days worth of food in your house puts you in the top 20 to 25% of people in preparedness, at least in America. Now, grandma and grandpa, three to five months was just life. Grandma had stuff in that root cellar. She had stuff canned. They had to put up the harvest, and this depended on the time of the year. But for the harvest, they had to put up enough to get through the entire winter. And they also cut hay and, and filled the lofts of the hay barns for all the cows and horses as well. So they prepped for their animals. I remember growing up, part of the barn that later became my wood shop when I first got into a little bit of woodwork, that was the feed corn. That was the feed mm-hmm. corn for the cattle and the horses that were on the place. My papa called it the corn crib. It was the mm-hmm. corn crib, mm-hmm. and it was right down past the milk house. Yeah. Where, where grandma would put the cow to milk the cow. Mm. Our grandparents, great-grandparents, it was just life. They, they didn't know anything about this prepping thing. The word came along a lot later when some folks started going back to living like grandma and grandpa as far as stocking up. Hey, listen, I just want to tell you about a couple of books that you need to add to your collection and give as gifts. I highly encourage that you go to Amazon and look up this title, Making Contact During Emergencies. This is information that may save your life or the life of someone you care about. If injured, lost, or found in a disaster or another type of emergency. This book was written by Mark and Krista Lolly. I'm Krista and Mark is my husband. Book number two that we wrote that we're especially proud of and has gotten a lot of buzz is entitled Practical Prepping for Everyday People. This is a common sense guide on preparing for life's emergencies. And when we say practical prepping, we mean the type of emergencies you're going to find yourself in day in and day out. Car emergencies, dead batteries, flat tires, storm damage, the roof has gotten blown off. You find that you have no power, no electricity, no devices are working. These kinds of things are happening to somebody somewhere every single day. And we were astonished when we did a little research to find that a vast majority of people found themselves woefully unprepared for one or more of these types of emergencies. And particularly after this COVID year that we've experienced, I think a whole lot more of us are paying closer attention to things like grocery store supply chains, the ability to be able to buy gas, the ability to be able to move freely about, or what's going to happen if we do have to stay home for three weeks solid. Practical Prepping for Everyday People by Mark and Krista Lolly, also making contact during emergencies. Go to Amazon, look these up, add these to your collection. We sure appreciate it. We said in a previous podcast not long ago that if we really believe something, we'll act on it. If we really believe that we need to be self-sustaining for that three to 14 days, then we'll act on that. If we really believe that we have threats that will, will occur, electrical outages, 
snow and ice. Storms. Storms, hurricanes, volcanoes. Tornadoes. Tornadoes. Uh, or just a severe thunderstorm can be very well, that, damaging. That can take a lot of stuff out. Absolutely. But if we really believe it, we'll act on it. Now, this is where some folks get into prepping for nuclear war, for EMP, for total grid-down situations. And some of these folks, they laugh at 14 days. They laugh at three months. Some of these folks have a few years, though, of food stored up because they intend to live through a nuclear war. Most, though, most preppers just have a few months And that's across the board. The average prepper is going to have two to three months worth of food in the house. How we're going to put that up? Probably the best way to approach that would be to layer your food storage. And that is you've got uh, shelves of canned food. You've got dried foods in mylar bags for the long term. They have like oxygen packets that can go in there as well to help maintain freshness and dryness and keep the humidity out. A lot of times you can put these dried beans or bags of rice or pasta in a mylar bag and then also seal that into one of these food safe buckets that's got a nice sealing lid on top Mm -hmm. of it as well to really keep out moisture, rodents, bugs, and all other sorts of hazards that may want to attack that food storage. And with those foods, you're just talking about putting things in that are longer-term storage. Exactly. So that you're not having to rotate those as often. We bought another 10 pounds of beans not too long ago to do that very thing with, and that's so that we don't just have to keep rotating beans every year. But that gives us a little longer storage with those particular beans. Then... You can add some freeze-dried long-term storage food. This, again, is to be able to store it for a longer period of time. You hear the term, for example, 25-year food. That's not food to last 25 years. That's food that will store for 25 years. Exactly, yes. Like In it- one of those buckets, you may not get seven days worth of food. They come in various different amounts and packages. And you can get it freeze-dried, and I'd say that you need to buy some samples and test those before investing a lot of dollars into those because guaranteed your family is not going to be happy with you if you have to feed them for months with 25-year food storage that has no taste or it tastes like cardboard or styrofoam. Yes, absolutely. Taste test any long-term storage foods. Some of them have great reviews. Some of them don't have very good reviews. Frankly, we don't actually have any 25-year buckets. We we will be interested, though, in getting some samples and just trying it out. And, and don't forget, store food for your pets as well. We, we're beginning to do a lot more prepping with our cats and our cat foods because, hey, They're going to need their food, too, and they've got dry food and canned food and pouched foods that have a very good expiration code on them, and so we've got to keep them stocked as well. Okay, the whole point here is just get started. You've thought about this. uh, You realize that there's a need. Maybe COVID had you locked down and you didn't have everything you quite needed, and the whole point, just get started. That's what we're encouraging you to do here. Now, there's so much to learn over a period of time, and and just take it one step at a time. Yes, bite the hem. What's the old saying about eating an elephant one one bite bite at a time? time. 
Same thing with prepping. You're not going to get all prepped up in a week. You're not going to have enough to last for a year in a week, unless you can afford to have a tractor trailer deliver it, you know, but just get started, get started and start learning some skills. Go back and listen to some of the other episodes that we've had. Chris did an awesome episode on alternative ways to cook. We've done some on when the lights go out, how you're going to deal with that. Now, in the northern hemisphere, we're into spring, headed towards summer, although fall stuck its head back in here lately for a few yes, days. it was 30-something degrees 33 this degrees this morning when yeah, I went to work. Late April is crazy. And so, but in the southern hemisphere, they're into fall going into winter. So, you probably need to go back and listen to one of the episodes on staying warm without power. And one that I would recommend, if you're a new prepper, go back and listen to episode 20. That's where we did planning your preps. And this will just help you get started, help you understand how you need to be storing some stuff and what you need to be storing. And we've got some things on our website as well and some articles that we've written on beginning to prep. And that is www.practicalprepping.com. Info. Again, that's www.practicalprepping.info. Anything else you want to add tonight, Chris? You can find us on Facebook, and we do welcome your emails and your comments. Please post an email. Let us know where you're listening from, and we welcome all of our international listeners as well. We think it's wonderful that the whole world can share in this knowledge and information and communication. We want to continue to learn from you. And so please reach out to us, give us some comments and posts, and give us some good five-star reviews. And Click re- on that subscribe button. Absolutely. And if you enjoy the podcast, share it with a friend. We would certainly appreciate that. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. And please leave us a five-star review. That helps more people be able to hear this podcast. Share it with your friends and family. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. Email at info at practicalprepping.info and our website is practicalprepping.info. And as always, remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.